Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel like a Bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, a show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Uh, today, like some days, uh, we have got a full panel here ready to talk some shit, get down in the kicky punchy for you lovely folks before we take our uh, much-needed uh, Thanksgiving break for a couple of weeks. Uh, as I alluded to last week, I will repeat again this week for those of you who might have missed it. Uh, though we are not paid by, endorsed by, or supported by in any way, shape, or form, the UFC, the vast majority of all major sports organizations in the combat world tend to rotate around their schedule, and so do we. So, with them being off for the next two weeks after this coming weekend, so will the I'm No Joe podcast. We will be back, however, first thing in the beginning of December to get down and break down all that shit that kicks right off in the beginning of the month for you. That being said, before we get into everything we've got to talk about this fine evening, who the fuck is that guy? Dude, I don't fucking know, man. That's crazy, right? I mean, it's it nine. Just works it's, out that way sometimes, apparently. It's nine forty-five, and I was here at the start of the show. What the fuck? I don't even know what to say. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on, man? Uh, you know, good to be here at the beginning of a show for a change. You know, right? Good to be here. I'm not gonna Thank say we get used to it, but we're we're glad to have you early. <laughs> fuck you <laughs> oh with that being said uh across the octagon from myself more often than not my wednesday night homeboy my combat shit talking compatriot the one and only golf tea vapes how you doing brother not too bad excited for two reasons one we have a halfway decent card for a kind of a lull before our break and to be quite honest Excited for a break. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, we touched on it a little bit on uh, Golf Tee Show last night. Uh, we have covered every single major combat sports event for the entirety of 2021 without missing a single fucking week all year. Despite all the crazy shit that has happened, we deserve a goddamn break. So we're going to take one. But before we get to that, we are going to give you all the finest in this upcoming's weekend's fun times scheduled. But before we get to that, even as we like to do around here, we'd like to kick the show off with a little bit of a recap from all the fun that went on the weekend before. See how our calls turned out. Uh, I will say 
um, to get, not, not to get it out of the way, but to get to them first, we'll put it that way. Uh, Bellator really only had uh, one fight worth talking about. Uh, that was my man, Big Swarm, LDV, Linton Vassal, went out against the guy who the commentators were openly rooting for and being biased in favor of, Tyrell Fortune, talking about, oh, he's got such a strong wrestling prowess and no one's been able to stop him. And then my man, Big Swarm, went out there and wrestle-fucked that boy till he stomped him. Uh, props to LDV, knew my man could pull that shit out, was extra special, extra happy to see that happen while the commentators were cheering on Fortune, so fucking big swarm, do your damn thing, Sanford MMA, stand the fuck up. Um, everybody knew how that main event was going to go. Everybody knew how that main event was going to go. It went exactly, if you have not seen anything of how that went, let me set the stage for you. Cyborg is fighting a girl who is on a two-fight win streak with a 500-ish record. You wouldn't recognize her name if I told you. How do you think the fight went? That's exactly how it went. 92 seconds is all it fucking took. Uh, to be fair, uh, Sinead Kavanaugh did hit Cyborg three separate times that actually popped her head back and made her shake her head a little bit and knocked the cobwebs loose, but it's fucking cyborg. So she just fucking shook the cobwebs loose and then started throwing fucking punches again until the fucking girl just crumbled into a puddle like they do because there are no women. You think the UFC's 145 pound division is fucking thin. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Bellator's 145 pound division may as well be non-existent. Julia Budd, the only real contender in my opinion, two cyborg in that entire fucking division left and went to PFL. She's done with that bullshit. She saw the writing on the wall. She wasn't going to stay around and be nobody's fucking fool. She's over there going out for a fucking million dollars going up against Kayla Harrison. So I think that's a way better fucking matchup for her anyway. Good on Julia Budd, but you know, it does the, the cyborg fight went exactly as you would fucking imagine it did. Um, so there was that. That being that, said, uh that that division is kind of like Amanda Nunes and her other title for the UFC right. non-fucking existent. Right. Yeah, well there's there's some talk about that in the news. We'll get we'll come back to that for sure. We'll we'll put a pin in that to get back to it later. But yeah, Bellator is following in that same fucking vein with Cyborg over there now. Um that being said though. Uh, we will move on to some recaps from the very, very entertaining BKFC card this past weekend. Um, much, much, and I mean leaps and fucking bounds better than the Bellator card as a whole. Uh, I believe they had 13 fights and 11 stoppages, uh, and all of them good fucking stoppages at that. Uh, the whole fucking card was genuinely entertaining as shit. Um, I will say one of the complaints we constantly seem to fucking have with BKFC is their promotion is dog shit. Even though they do have some genuinely good fighters on their roster right now, they cannot promote themselves to save their own ass quite literally. I had no idea. I've been waiting for this card because this is one of the cards this week and last week were two of the cards I've been excited for for the last few months in the world of BKFC. 
at no point in the last, I'll say, oh, three fucking months, did they say one word during any of the promotions, not the fucking pressers, not their Instagram posts, not the BKFC fucking website. Did anybody say a single goddamn word about the fact that Dennis fucking Brimage was on this fucking card? Like, notable fucking name to casual MMA followers, the guy who literally welcomed Conor McGregor to the fucking UFC, one of the most notable names in the Conor McGregor trail, but known to basically every MMA fan from the UFC side who would be notable to come over and watch him in BKFC. Spoiler alert, he looked fucking spectacular. Um, Split draw was a weird call, and it took me a second and I had to run back on it, but man, him and fucking shut did a beautiful fucking back and forth war that I I think honestly, the split draw was the right call. But the fact that a fight that fucking crazy was one of the two of the whole night that didn't result in a stoppage. Something they definitely should have fucking put a little more promo info or promo effort into rather, in my opinion. Um, Britton Hart uh, those of you who've been following BKFC that she actually called for this fight after she beat the shit out of Paige Van Zandt she said I want Pearl Gonzalez next that's easy money I'll beat all these OnlyFans bitches asses guess what the fuck she did not only did Britton Hart beat Pearl Gonzalez they got the numbers wrong on the live telecaster that they promo or during the uh, the show rather so they actually showed incorrectly that Pearl Gonzalez had landed more fights which got the crowd all kinds of fucking stirred up they had to clarify after the fucking fact but even more than that Britton Hart beat Pearl Gonzalez so bad that she didn't even wait to go home and think about it when she got back to the locker room she officially announced via Instagram of course that this was officially her last BKFC fight she is done with this bare knuckle bullshit as she so eloquently put it so uh once again you might look the part in the fucking merch when they sign you that multi-million dollar contract but unless you can knuckle the fuck up in the ring you ain't going to last long over there. And there are a few girls who have lasted pretty long over there. And I think that Britton Hart versus Christina Ferreira, Chris, excuse me, Krista Ferreira is going to be a fucking spectacular matchup. And if Beck Rawling has a single fucking brain cell left in her head, she's going to get off her goddamn ass and get the fuck in the gym because otherwise she's about to get completely swept out of the fucking BKFC world altogether. This is quite literally her last chance. Get up, say something, because now the only person that you've, really had contention with over there is about to clearly surpass you and leave you in the dust and the newcomers are strongly running right along with her so Beck Rowling better get off her ass or get off the fucking pot either way time to do something over there um I will say this uh that win did land I think uh let me look yeah I've got a total of four good shots in the entirety of his match uh, so, you know, th- there was four good shots. Other than that, Palomino did exactly what basically everyone following this storyline wanted him to do and just beat the shit out of Datwin when Dat wasn't busy running the fuck away from him. Um, belt settled. Uh, not to mention what I have to say might be one of the best 
post-fight speeches I have seen in the ring in a long time. Quite literally told the crowd to shut the fuck up and show some respect because he wasn't there to promote himself. He was there to promote a fucking six-year-old who had just beaten cancer. Top that, motherfuckers. Top that one. Like, he shut the fucking crowd up to sing the praises of a fucking child who's just beaten cancer. That's how you know, people know you're not just a fucking punchy douchebag. Good on you, Louis Palomino. Um, I, I do have to say, though, uh, I said it then. I've gone back. I've rewatched the fights four fucking times in the last week. Uh, I've watched the highlights. I've watched the different angles. I've watched it with and without commentary. The amount of fucks I give is zero. Lorenzo Hunt did not beat Hector Lombard in that fucking match. And I don't mean just on strikes. I don't mean just on damage. I mean, overall, watch that fucking fight with no sound and tell me Lorenzo Hunt won that fucking fight. You can't fucking do it. You can't fucking do it. I get that there's a storyline behind this and they're trying to fucking make him, you know, the next wave, blah, blah, blah. I don't give a fuck. Hector Lombard beat that motherfucker, plain and simple. That being said, uh, that will bring us to the UFC's card over this past weekend. Um, ironically enough, very much like the BKFC card in the fact that they had 11 fights, nine finishes on the fucking UFC card. So the folks were getting the fuck after it this weekend and it was pretty fucking entertaining for everywhere except for most of Bellator really um Da Eun Jung and Rafael Alves both opened in the fucking fight with sub two minute or excuse me uh Da Eun Jung was just at the three uh Rafael was a minute 48 so under three minutes excuse me uh both finishes under five minutes total between them so less than a single round's worth of time and we're literally starting the third fight of the evening <laughs> um that being said uh the third fight of the evening was a little bit contentious uh in that <clears throat> excuse me uh liana jojua who was stepping in on short notice to her credit um weighed in almost eight pounds over the fucking limit initially um managed to get it down to the three pound mark with the allotted extra pounds so it was technically four pounds over and then the fight proceeded at a catch weight um but just couldn't even make it competitive really she had a couple of fleeting fleeting moments in the fight where she looked like she knew what she was doing but for the most part she genuinely made Courtney Casey look good. And I think that's the most aggravating part about that whole fucking fight for me. Uh, nothing Courtney Casey did was spectacular, even really mediocre, to be honest. But the fact that Jojo just looked like such shit against her really just amplified everything that Casey was fucking doing. Um, to be fair, though, uh, you reap what you sow. And even in taking that fight on short notice, that fucking weight miss was ridiculous. And the UFC agreed with it. And uh, once the fight was over and it had been announced that not only did she lose, she also had been released from her UFC contract as well. So play stupid games, win stupid prizes, as they say. Ta-da! Um, that being said, uh, 
Sean Woodson with the body shot TKO on Colin Anglin was fucking spectacular. He melted that young man like American singles on a hot fucking griddle. That dude just fucking wilted. Beautiful fucking work. Beautiful work by Woodson for sure. Um, and then that brings us again back to another situation where one person was mediocre at best, but because of the absolute dog shit performance put on by the person that they were in the octagon with, they looked spectacular. And this, of course, I would be talking about Cynthia Calvillo against Andrea Lee. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo not only got her ass handed to her quite thoroughly for two solid rounds by Andrea Lee, um, but had it done by Andrea Lee, like I said, not looking anything beyond mediocre at best to such an extent, Cynthia Calvillo decided herself she couldn't continue and wouldn't get up off the stool after the second round. They called the fight instead of going out for a third. Uh, I will say on one hand, hats off to Calvillo for knowing I've taken as much as I can take. I'm not leaving this to my fucking corner. I know what I've taken and what I can and can't, and I'm done and tapping out and staying on the stool. I get that. On the other hand, Andrea Lee's not ranked for a fucking reason. You can't make it three fucking rounds with somebody who's not even top 15. What the fuck are you really doing here? Because this isn't Calvillo's first fight. This isn't her fifth fight. Calvillo's been around for a fucking while. If you can't even make it three non-competitive rounds with the new breed of soup cans, maybe it's time to start considering another career choice. We saw Calvillo plenty of times decide that she was a submission grappler and she was going to go over to Uncle Chael's world and uh, that didn't fucking work out for her either. Well, the thing you're supposed to be good at, as they say, the UFC, clearly not very fucking good at that against the next breed anyways. Uh, Time to start looking at the next step down the road, in my opinion, because that was not a good fucking showing in any sense of the imagination. Excuse me. From there, though, that will bring us to the premier prelim. And holy fucking shit. Um, and I, again, this, this happens almost every week, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it gets so fucking aggravating when you do turn on the commentary to a UFC fight and you hear just blatant fucking bias from Daniel Cormier and from fucking Joe Rogan. It just, it, it gets old. Um, and then fucking Paul Felder joining the fucking bandwagon as well. And then fucking Bisping does it lately. It's just, there's been a lot of bullshit from commentators that aren't being commentators. They're being one side cheerleaders and also mentioning some of the things their competitors are doing. Um, in my opinion, if you're going to commentate, you should commentate unbiasedly. If you guys go back and watch when I was doing the Fight Island fucking cards, I made a point to mention whoever did what credit where credit is due, as I like to say. 
there were very much some fights where I was obviously rooting for one fighter over the other, but was making a point to even in my commentary, call out the good things the opponents were doing, you know, as you're supposed to fucking do. Um, but this is a situation where the commentary crew was more interested in talking about how Tiago Moises' toughest competition to date had been uh, uh, fucking Islam Makachev and that he had made four hard rounds with Islam Makachev or made four rounds, four tough rounds with Islam Makachev look easy right up until the very end. Uh, and that that was his benchmark at this point. And here comes Joel Alvarez just doing fucking work. 6'3", 155 pounds, mind you. 6'3", 155, long motherfucker. Uh, just doing work, just elbow Moises into oblivion. Um, damn, just damn. Um, and ironically, once he did that, the commentary crew didn't turn their conversation into uh, how good does that make Joe Alvarez? That turned into, well, what would Joel Alvarez versus Islam Makachev look like? Like this dude just melted the guy you were singing the praises about a minute ago, but now all of a sudden you're worried about him against the guy that the other guy had already fought. Like, come on, boys, come on. I like Tiago Moises. He's a decent fighter. Joel Alvarez just wilted him, just fucking wilted him. 301 even, elbows from hell, six foot three, lightweight is fucking crazy um it's going to be interesting to see where joel joel alvarez goes from here main card bound um i will say this um i mentioned it last week as well they almost went out of their way at the ufc to hype up Julio Arce going into this fight without saying a fucking word about Song Yudong. Careful what you fucking wish for, boys and girls. Some of us knew how that was going to go. Some of us had an idea of how this kind of thing was going to play out. I hate to toot my own horn, but toot motherfucking toot because... I'm pretty sure I called Song Yudong all fucking day last week. And no, those guys are fucking in the big leagues. Don't understand, man. They're fucking dead wrong. That dude's got something special, man. Nobody sees it. I agree. I agree. And he's fucking, he just turned 23 years old. Yeah. (laughs) The fucking just absolute clinic that he put on in that fight. Dude, if that doesn't open their fucking eyes, nothing will. Granted, like you said, there does seem to be a lot of bias coming out of a lot of their mouths. And they, I think when shit like this happens, it goes against the narrative that Dana White and the UFC want to happen. Because they think, oh, a guy like, and I'm not throwing shade at Julio Arce at all. I just want to make that very, very clear. But they'll go, oh, Julio Arce, we could make a star out of him. Song Yudong really respectful young man because he comes from that type of culture. 
we can't make a really big, huge star out of him. It's just not going to work. The only thing that um, we can do with Song Yong is, well, we can play to his um, hometown and we'll he'll make him bigger in the China market. But we're not going to make a superstar out of him. So I swear to God that a lot of the bias we're seeing is because they want to project a certain type of fighter or a certain person to try to push that fucking, this is who our next big superstar is going to be. Look, this ain't the WWE fucking F. You actually have to go off of people's fucking, and nothing against WWF. That's entertainment in itself. You know, a whole right. different thing, but. but I was going to say, but a different kind. Yeah. Yeah. This, you actually have to go off of where these people's skill sets are. Look, I'm sorry that your champion doesn't fit the bill as you want as a fucking superstar. Some people don't want that. They just want to fight, win fights, win the belt. They don't give a shit about being a superstar. Come up heavyweights. I'm sorry. Something yeah. Stuck in my so, I mean, I'm just saying there, there's there's some fuckery afoot lately, especially when you're totally overlooking a guy like Song Yidong. And I, mean, I said it and I'll say it again. These guys, they overlook a lot of these guys just because, oh, we want so-and-so to be the next big superstar. Look, yep. I, these fighters don't give a flying fuck who you want as a super uh, as a superstar. They want to win fights. If their skill set is right and they're on point, they're going to fuck your day up on your superstar. It happens time and time again. That's why there's a rotation of fucking stars that come through the UFC. There's not, there's not a rock. There's not a stone cold Steve Austin. Right. right. You don't get to set the rules on who's a superstar here. Their skill sets do. That's why those fans that do enjoy the sport for what it is and are big into it have a different mindset of who the star is versus who the UFC thinks is a star. Like, look, as much as I hate to say it, I enjoyed the hype train that was behind Masvidal for a while, but obviously he's falling off. Don't get me wrong. He's selling shit. He sells fights, but he's not the superstar that everybody wants him to be. They want him to be the champ. He's not going to be the champ. I hate to say it, but he will continue to sell fights and I will continue to tune in. But at the same point, you got to stop overlooking guys like Song Yong. It's a fucking terrible mindset to have over there. Well, and actually the point of Masvidal falling off like he has is actually a great representation of why we always make a point to say, regardless of how you feel about someone, regardless of all the fucking hours, and I promise you there are hours of fucking research that gets put into this shit. MMA math doesn't work. Just because one plus one on paper equals two does not in any sense of reality mean that it actually means two when you put that equation in a fucking octagon and you let two dudes punch themselves in the face or punch each other in the face, rather, uh, to work out the answer. Uh, it, you can have the best, most educated guess in the world, which we try and give you guys every week. But there's no guarantee. That's one of the reasons that most of us love MMA so much is that no matter how much you think you can guarantee a thing is going to go a certain way because of how everything leading up to it has gotten you there. The second that fucking bell rings, everything's out the goddamn window. There are no fucking guarantees whatsoever. So 
everybody. I was right there with you on that fucking Masvidal hype train. I wanted to see that motherfucker just tear through the goddamn division. And boy, has that son of a bitch turned out to be a fucking disappointment and a half. So um, I will say, uh, to old Georgie boy's credit, uh, Game Bread FC3 has officially been announced. So while he might not be doing shit of his own in the octagon, his little uh, bare knuckle MMA thing that he's doing is putting on their third show. Uh, some of the people from the BKFC world are actually participating in this one. A couple of the people that I follow from the BKFC world are actually going to be on this upcoming Gamebred FC3 card. So it, it's, it's a weird tale of how things play out like that. In well, most cases. In most cases. <laughs> you know, the greatest thing about his organization, the fact that it's mixed martial arts and it's bare fucking nothing. Yes. To be quite honest, I love that about that because to be that's he's literally taking the old school street fucking street. It's about as close to old school as you can fucking. Yeah, you're literally turning a street fight into a cage fight with a rule set, but still no gloves. I fucking love that, and the fact that he's getting it sanctioned in places is fucking great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's neat. It's a neat deal. To be honest, I hope it grows a lot. Uh, in I, fact, I, was I hope it grows say, to I wouldn't be mad BKFC. if it actually like picked up. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it'll pick up because you know what? If P- the way BKFC is picked up with their shitty promotion, Gamebred's got a lot bigger fan base than BKFC does, just as yeah. far as fans go. I'm pretty sure he can outgrow it. If he wants. Well, that and uh, there's another there's another bare knuckle organization called BKB, just bare knuckle boxing, uh, that's starting to pick up. They've actually got Mike Goldberg doing their commentary right now, which is fucking spectacular. Uh, and there's a another bare knuckle organization. I can't for the life of me remember the fucking name of it right now. Um, that's picking up steam in the UK. That is very much like Mosfidals in that it's old school, like essentially a street fight bare knuckle, but they're doing it really old school. They set it up in a fucking square built out of fucking hay bales, like old school dropping the fucking pit made of hay bales, which is your fucking ring and box it the fuck out. There's a ref to keep it square, but you tape your wrists, your hands are fucking open. This is a goddamn fight. I'm real interested that the fucking rise of old school fighting is starting to make a comeback while on the same hand, We've got shit like USADA and as cringy as it is, PFL is putting fucking, gy- what is it, gyrometers and, and motion sen- motion capture sensors in the gloves so that they can actually tell you how fast and with how much force their fighters are fighting during the fight in real time stats. So while we've got technology taking us literally into the future on one side, the other side we're 100% going backwards. We're going back to get the fuck out of my way. Get your fucking shoes off. We're fighting. (laughs) And I'm not mad at it. I'm not fucking mad at it. I'm honestly a little surprised that it's getting sanctioned as much as it is. And it is. But I'm not fucking mad at it. I'm fucking here for it. So like we always say, competition breeds fucking creativity. So bring it on let everybody get in the goddamn game let everybody get a fucking show because the more competition the more we get to watch so we all win but back off that tangent back to the card here um 
I got to say, I got nothing against Miguel Baeza, but man, did fucking Chaos Williams just come out and hurt him. Just absolutely. It, it almost looked like Chaos Williams was playing with him for a good portion of that fight. Like there was no moment when M Miguel Baeza really had control of that match. Like Chaos Williams might not have had him in trouble the entire time, but he was never in a position where he needed to worry himself. And then a minute into that third fucking round, um, he got him. He just flat out fucking got him. He had the button. He pushed it. Ding, lights off. <laughs> so, you know, good on you for Chaos Williams. Uh, sloppy as it might have been, it, it was exactly what he needed to do, and it fucking worked. So there's that. Can't say much more than that about it. Um, so the next one was a little rough. Um, for those of you who aren't as rabid as some of us are, um, Felicia Spencer versus Leah Letson was a weird matchup from the get-go. Um, Leah Letson is basically most well-known for a few amateur fights and her time on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, after that, she was plagued by a series of serious injuries um, and has basically been completely out of the fight world for almost three years. Spoiler alert, Felicia Spencer's not the one to, call, to come back in on on a cold streak after three fucking years. Uh, Felicia Spencer went five fucking rounds, five hard rounds with fucking Cyborg. Uh, Felicia Spencer can take a lick, and she can give a lick as well. She was the Invicta champ that replaced Cyborg for good reason. Um, Leah Letson just basically got the shit beat out of her. Uh, it was one-way decimation completely. Uh, this is one of those situations where it almost looked more like a sparring session than it did an actual fight because Letson had no business being in there, let alone with somebody who's as polished as Felicia Spencer really is. Uh, Felicia Spencer might have had a couple of rough outings in her last couple outs, but those aren't representative of what she's capable of. And this fight against Leah Letson was a clear case of that. Uh, when you give her a soup can to style on, Felicia Spencer is going to fucking style. And she looked fucking great Saturday night. She really did. Um, Letson really needs to either get back to a, like a local circuit and get her feet back underneath her. Cause clearly three years was too long for her to be out. Or she just needs to move on along. If she's got the passion for uh, MMA, which she clearly seems to, uh, it, the UFC is not the place to take three fucking years off when you haven't even developed yourself yet. So she's got to get back in the rhythm. She's just got to get back on the horse literally and get back to it and get back into the groove of things if that's what she's going to do. Otherwise, just stop. Just just stop. She's still more than young enough. There's still more than enough of a future ahead of her. If this ain't what you're feeling, sweetheart, don't. Fucking don't. Three years off coming back to that ass whooping, that's a fucking wake-up call. The worst part of it is the UFC set her up for fucking dead. They sure they, the fuck did. That was literally a here, let me kick you in the fucking teeth while you're down moment. Sure the fuck did. Like, to be quite honest, to bring her in here against Felicia Spencer, the UFC matchmakers should be fucking ashamed of themselves. Like completely fucking ashamed of themselves. They could have definitely got her a much better. Let's reintroduce you to the world of getting your ass kicked. Right. 
Yeah, coming from the Ultimate Fighter and then a three-year layoff. Yeah, what the fuck about that equation says, you know what? And She needs an ex-title challenger. I, I think what pissed me off the most about it was that they were using it to showcase fucking uh, thanks to service members because she's an Air Force the veteran. veteran. An active, active, active Air Force. Yeah. Active Air Force Reservist right now. Yep. But still, I'm like, you literally, you fucked her six ways from Sunday and then you're going to use it to promote thank you veterans. Me as a veteran myself, I was fucking pissed. Like just fucking absolute living, knowing that you literally set her up for fucking failure. And if you want to promo off of it, yeah, and to run a promo for it, be fucking ashamed. You could have look. You could have picked any other fucking. You could have brought back. You could have called fucking. Uh, what's his goddamn nuts and brought him out of retirement for a fight. Could have brought Brian Stan out and just had him fucking open the Commentate. car. Yeah. Open spark. That would have been perfect. It, yeah. You wouldn't have to do that. But no, yes. Set somebody in here who's been laid off for three years due to injuries and other fucking commitments with the U.S. military. And it wasn't just the injury plague. There was She had commitments as far as her country goes. Mm-hmm. Look, that's, that's commendable. And I think the U.S.C. really fucking screwed the pooch on this one. To be quite honest, they could have at least let her get a warm-up fight before just going in there and let some have the skin ripped off of her body because that's pretty much what they did it's a shitbag move but you know what my hat's off to Letson. that is one tough motherfucker because she took one hell of a licking and kept on going and she didn't give up no oh no they had they had to jump in and save her yeah the the fight the fight's still in her to be quite honest i want her to get another fight but i want the ufc to not fucking at least use some lube before you fuck her next time take her out for a dinner Call her pretty, something. Do something nice before you screw her again. Well, and the really shitty thing about that is it's not like that this is something that has never happened before or something that's outside of their normal control. Uh, when fucking Chan Sung Jung, the zombie, the fucking Korean zombie, when it was time for him to go do his mandatory military service, they gave him his fucking time off and then gave him a fucking walk in the park fight to come back to, which he styled on because Chang Sung Jung, but they know exactly how to handle someone taking their time for their military service and coming back and how to ease them back in and then build them up because look at where zombie still fucking is right now. Yep, Tell me they couldn't the do that vet. for a fucking a fellow vet here. Shit, look, you could go, you can go back to a fucking legend of of MMA and the fucking heyday, the prime of what UFC was, and go back to fucking Tim Kennedy to where he would have to take 12 months off because that man was a fucking special forces operator. Fucking hats off to you, fucking brother. That man was fucking putting in work and then fucking coming home getting fucking right off to go train for four months to fight for the ufc yep you can go back to that every time that he would come back he would get a warm-up fight of somebody that was notable that had fucking a decent skill set and then about two months later they'd give him a fucking real deal fight fucking money on a pay-per-view every single time and it it worked out great it worked out great for everybody. 
Yeah, uh, the UFC really fucked that one. But I think part of that, to be quite honest, is the UFC being some greedy fucking bastards trying to get Felicia back in there for another shot at um fucking the title. I, Except for I this time be against Amanda. I 100% agree. I think they were trying to rush... And especially we'll talk we'll talk more about this in a little bit when we get to the news segment. But especially with everything that Dana's been saying lately, I, I completely agree that they're basically trying to get Felicia to be identified as the quote unquote clear front runner as the next title shot deserving back in the featherweight division since Amanda is getting ready to defend her bantamweight belt next against Juliana Pena. But we'll we'll get to more of that when we get to the news segment here. Just yeah, they got to keep somebody in the shoot for her so they can say it's an active division and i say that loosely for you those of you listening to the podcast there are air quotes there because 145 is not an active division for the women's usc not by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> just like bellator right it's almost you know, if you like combine the two all- of them you would get one active division right our powers combined we create a full division wonder twin powers activate right no shit oh <laughs> But anyways, from those fucking clowns, um, on to the craziest fucking co-main event we've seen in a hot minute. Uh, not necessarily because of the fight, uh, but because of the astronomically giant fuck up by the referee involved in the co-main event fight. Uh, the fight itself literally only lasted 30 seconds. Literally, 32 is what they call the final time. And that's with them graciously adding the nine seconds from the fuck up to the actual end of the fight. I would say it was really closer to 20 seconds from start to fucking finish. Um, These big men didn't waste any fucking time. Rothwell came right out fucking swinging. Uh, Problem for him is that uh, DeLima was swinging a little more accurate and uh, clipped him right out of the fucking gate, invisibly wobbled him and then followed up on it. And while he was putting what was ultimately the finishing slam shots to Big Ben's head, uh, Herb Dean reached in to stop the fight, grabbed DeLima by the waist as they were turning, and Ben was trying to kind of spin out of the the contact that they were in and almost shoot a a single leg, maybe. Uh, But Herb Dean reaches in, grabs DeLima literally by the, the fucking love handles as they're spinning, and then because they're spinning towards him, let's go. And then steps back to which Delima puts his hands up and looks at Herb Dean like, what the fuck? And Rothwell still actively trying to wrestle him. Not very well. He's clearly fucking compromised at this point. But he's still actively trying to wrestle with Delima. So Herb Dean has to then jump back in to actually pull Rothwell off of him and declare it a stop fight, which is where that 32-second mark comes in. Um. That was a shit shit. Yeah, this, just... this is not the first time that we have had an issue with, with Herb Dean, or as uh, Alex K. Lee is calling him now, hesitant Herb, uh, has been a little gun shy on pulling the fucking trigger when he should have been more than willing to dive in and stop a goddamn fight. But this isn't even the first time this year. Yeah, this, this isn't is even the, the first time fourth. this quarter. Like, we have almost had one every quarter this year from Herb Dean fucking up now. Yeah, this is the fourth of this year of noticeably, recognizably a fuck up on his end. As I said the last time, 
uh, he needs to get kicked from the from fucking Nevada, fucking California, fucking New York. He needs to get kicked from all of them and go back, do like PFL, a small time promotion, get his feet back underneath him. He should know better. One, he is one of the fucking refs that has been in the game since the game fucking started. Also, he's a fuck. He was a competitor in MMA. And yeah, to Herbie this day, eight professional fights. Uh, I actually shared the link because we were talking about this uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I shared the link in the group chat. Somebody put together footage start to finish of all eight of Herb Dean's professional fights. He's been in the goddamn cage almost a dozen times himself. Yeah, and he wasn't bad. No, wasn't fucking terrible at all. No. So he should know from being in there. Would you want a fucking ref to do the stupid shit to you? You've been doing to dudes. No, quit it. The the worst part of that for me was because it was indecisive. You couldn't tell. Look, even going back and looking at it, I couldn't say with 100% certainty that Ben Rothwell was going to get a takedown. But I also couldn't say about 100% certainty that he was going to get finished either. He was close. Oh, yeah, he was. But I don't I think he was still had enough wherewithal because he was actively shooting for a takedown. So I think I think it was I think it was both an early stoppage and a, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you touching him right now? Unless you're stopping the fight. I agree. Well, and the don't thing touch is, the fighters where they were unless you're stopping the fight. Yeah. Where either. they were. If he would have just stepped back, if he wouldn't have jumped in and touched, there's a good chance in the nine seconds it took the Lima to like throw his hands up and try and figure out what was happening that he would have been able to just land a clean shot. Rothwell was already clearly compromised. He could have legitimately just stopped it there. Yep. Or the other adverse could have happened. Or, ben could have gotten say. the takedown. Or yeah. Or the other way around. Or Rothwell could have grabbed him and planted him it, and then fucking rocked him. It could have went, it could have went either way there. And unfortunately because of the fuckery that was afoot there, it, it the whole point Look, the only time that ref should touch any fighter is if you have to stop a fight for an incidental eye poke, a groin strike, or you're stopping the fight because the fight's fucking over. Don't touch the fighters otherwise. Let, the only people who should be touching each other are the two fucking fighters fighting. Ref, keep your fucking hands to yourself unless you are 100% stopping it. Don't touch somebody and then go, oh my God. Your fucking hands aren't the on only, fire. If you touch the them, stop that, the fucking action. The only exception to that is defense. If you're actively popping yeah. somebody's fucking toes out or popping somebody's fingers out of the cage and giving them an active warning, then you can touch them. Other than yeah. that, to call in a foul or to stop the fight, that's it. That's In the situation it. that they were in, though, he had no reason to put his fucking hands on them unless he was going to say, yep, the unless fight is over. Step in. Yep. He acted like he wanted to, but then all of a sudden, oh, they started moving. Fuck. Maybe it's not over. Okay. Look, I get fuck-ups happen, but you have to be decisive in whatever the fuck you're doing. If you were going to stop it right there, you should have just said fuck it and ripped him the fuck away. Don't do it nicely. Rip him away. Look, your job is to stop the fight and make sure that people aren't committing fouls. 
If that means you're going in there with the mindset of, I need to stop this, rip that motherfucker away like he's trying to steal a baby from your mama. No, rip that motherfucker away. No, this, oh, playing handsy-pansy bullshit. No, get fucked. Like, they really need to sideline him because as much as I like Herb Dean, he's had some really questionable shit go on lately. I like He needs to get his fucking mind right. Uh, or maybe go back to some remedial training or some shit like that. There's a reason why we don't see certain fucking refs anymore because they were consistently making fuck ups and weren't fixing it. Herb Dean is starting to get that way, which makes you kind of question why is he still refing right now? Why has nobody stepped in to say, hey, let's take you aside here? We need to have an actual sit down. Unfortunately, the way that those athletic commissions work is the refs are kind of untouchable for a good portion of the time where unless they're blatantly obvious fuck ups left and right, a la fucking Mario Yamasaki type shit. It doesn't they have a safety net. It's kind of like being a judge. Nobody they don't really have to answer to anybody. Which is a fucking sad thing. They there really needs to be consequences when shit like um, this happens. The commission, but yeah, I say that with air quotes for those of you just listening, because th- the commission is a fucking bad joke unto itself. I agree. My 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 only problem is, um, and this was brought up on said person's Instagram page after the fights uh, on Saturday. Mario Yamasaki no longer will ever work in a cage for the UFC. You let Herb Dean. Most most big organizations, really. You let Herb Dean continue to fuck up for the fourth time this year, the second time this quarter. But you wouldn't let the legend, the legend that is Mike Beltran ref because his mustache was too fucking long. So you make him tuck it or you don't ref for us. But that was that that wasn't the athletic commission's decision. That was the decision on the UFC side because it could interfere or get tugged during stopping a fight. But you continue to let Herb Dean fuck up, put fighters fighters lives at fucking risk time and time again. And their careers to the point where we have former UFC fighters that are now on commentator make a statement live during the fight, but yet you still let him ref. I see a problem with that. I see a massive problem with that. You give a fuck about his mustache, but you don't give a fuck about a man that literally has let in the last two years, four fighters get their fucking teeth knocked out for unnecessary and take unnecessary fucking damage. There's a problem. I agree. I agree. But hopefully they do something about it going forward. I doubt it, but Dana made a point to mention that this isn't Herb's first fuck up this year. And that could come back to bite him in the ass. So at least we know that he's paying attention and that something has been said about it. So there is a chance they might put him on the short list to get Yamasaki, but 
it's also Dana, so we can't exactly take what he says at his fucking word either. Yeah, I mean, you can't take anything he says at face value because it changes from one day to the fucking next. Literally, yeah, quite literally. But yeah, to be quite honest, but, I think that fight deserves to be run back. I yeah, I I wouldn't be mad at seeing him run it back either. I wouldn't be mad at that. Um, obviously, give him a little fucking time, <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad at seeing them run it back. I don't know if I would put it back in a co-main spot. Uh, maybe give them a premier prelim or like a card opening spot. I don't know if that's another co-main worthy. Maybe on another fight like yeah, fight night like this. Yeah, on a fight night like this where it was kind of um, not the greatest card. Okay. Right. But yeah, to be quite honest, premier prelim spot is much better spot for that fight. But chances are we will not ever see that run back. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to because it, again, it, it's logical and you can't use logic to you know solve a UFC problem as we've no. learned. MMA math, right? Doesn't work. Um, but uh, that'll bring us to the main event of the evening for last Saturday's UFC card: one Max Blessed Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. Um. I will say this credit to Yair for being a tough son of a bitch because Max went in there and did what Max does quite literally. Um, Max Holloway starts hitting you when the bell rings and he doesn't stop until they make him stop or the other bell rings. He, he pretty much did that for <laughs> five rounds. Um, to be fair, uh, thanks to, on a obviously slightly lesser note, but still equally as, as prominent. Uh, thanks to Yair and Max, they also uh, tied for the third most significant strikes thrown in a main event fight Saturday night with, I believe it's 379 combined between the two of them. Uh, heavier, obviously, on Max's side. Um, but I, I can't say Yair is completely discountable at this point um what i can say is that um he's not top five um he might be potentially something in the future um but at this point he, he's just still got too many rough spots around the edges uh he still needs too much work he's definitely got potential for sure but the best is blessed, man. The best is blessed, period. Um, I, I don't understand how there's any conversation to be had other than Max versus Volkanovski 3. I mean, that's, that's the only real option at this point. And I get that Alex is salty about it, and he's all fucking butthurt, and he's going on rampages. If you want the drugs, you just fucking ask for it. Well, we know that Max is still clearly living rent-free in your fucking head, dude. So, you know, it's there when he wants it, obviously. But uh, at this point, uh, Max can basically write his own ticket and do pretty much whatever the fuck he wants. It's his world to fucking call shots in at the moment. Um, I'm really curious to see what he decides to do next, because he has made a point uh, multiple times in the last uh, month, couple weeks, specifically including in his Octagon interview, to mention the fact that he's on the shortlist for Conor McGregor, 
despite what Dana might say. So I don't know. Look, hats off to Yair because he did take a good bit of punishment. Uh, but on the on the flip side of that, he delved out a good bit of punishment to fucking Max too. And Max, to his credit, gave him credit at the end. He goes, hey, he moves like a boxer, but he's throwing elbows. Shit's illegal in boxing. You can't do that. And then fucking laughed it off because, you know, fucking Max being Max. But he put on another fucking clinic of why he's so goddamn good. And I think the best part of that is, is I don't need to call anybody out. They're chasing me. Yep. They're he's chasing right. the blessed express. 100% right. And to be quite honest, he could have said, yeah, I deserve another shot at the title. And he does by far. Yeah. He could have cemented it right then and there. Absolutely. <laughs> look, to be quite honest, the the last three fights he's had has cemented it. That fucking fight against Calvin Cater cemented it. Fish just cemented it even more. Made that fucking brick wall taller. Look, Dana needs to do two things here. Put him in there with fucking Volk. Because it's deserved. It is well-deserved. I still don't think that Volk deserves this fucking title. I think it still should be on bus. But you know what? That's just me. There's nobody else in that division that is ready for Volk at all. We've seen it. And look, we thought there were some people that had some fucking potential there. And they've all been thrown by the wayside. The two, yep. literally, the two best people in that division are Vulcan and Blessed. That's it. As much as I, there, there are some things about Volkanovsky that rub me the wrong fucking way. He's a goddamn good fighter, though. Sure is. Sure and is. after what happened between fucking Yair and fucking Max this week, last weekend, there's no doubt in my mind that Max can call his own shots. He should be getting that title shot. And then you know what? He should be on the short list for Connor. I have no fucking problem with that. Feed that fucking man. Lace his fucking pockets with a buttload of fucking money and let him beat up Connor McGregor. Because to be quite honest, as good as his boxing is, I think he can outbox Connor McGregor. I, I agree. They developed on such different fucking trajectories from where they met up so fucking long ago. I, I agree. I was literally I think, talking about this with somebody this afternoon. I think right now, 2022 Max Holloway is a horrible matchup for 2022 Conor McGregor. I think any hope that Conor had of being able to fucking shut that rematch talk down ended about four years ago. Well, and the best part of it is, is Max knows he's not going to go for a takedown and fucking Conor knows Max isn't going to go for a takedown. He took him a couple of times this fight, but that was just to prove a point because people were saying his ground game is fucking garbage. And he was going to say, I have the best ground game, but he even called himself up. He let, I let him get a reversal. So I couldn't say I have the best ground game. Yep. So I mean, but he's not going to go for fucking takedowns. He will go out there because he wants to get that, that L back. Look, that was when they were both very early in their fucking careers in the UFC. And they both skyrocketed in different directions. Yep. But man, that's that to be quite honest is a fight to make outside of him fighting for the title there's no other way and i just don't see how the ufc can fuck this up anymore 
other than giving him another fight that um, he doesn't need to take. But he'll take it anyways, because he's just going to keep proving points, talking to announcers while he's beating somebody's ass. Because, you know, that seems to be Max's thing now, which, to be quite honest, I'm perfectly all right with. It's a little, uh, it's a little, uh, comes out, comes out fucking stylings, which I kind of like, but Max does it even better because he's fucking dipping and dodging punches while he's doing it. Come well, on, fucking carries Max also edge. made a very good point in his uh, his post fight uh, with him having just demolished the only other person that could have potentially claimed number one spot at 45. He now is the clear number one contender at 145. Not to mention, he also has a great fucking fight on the record against the number one contender at 155. And he has a win over the 155 pound champion when he was at 145. So Max Holloway legitimately has rights to basically stake his claim to whoever or wherever the fuck he wants. If Max Holloway really wanted to get shitty, he could fucking bump Dustin Poirier out of line and get that title shot for, for Oliveira for the fucking beginning of next year. I'm a hundred percent fucking confident. The UFC, even after everything else that has happened would bump Poirier out of the way and let Holloway step up and take it at this point, after the clinic he just put on with the opened the year by putting another fucking clinic on against Calvin Cater, clearly the only guy that has anything to offer Volkanovsky. So he's holding 45 by the balls. Max is Max is holding all the cards right now. Yeah, for two divisions. It's and I'm pretty. I'm okay with it. I'm okay <laughs> with it. He's a deserving of it right now. He really oh, is. Yeah, he's earned the right to do that. And it's crazy to think how much better he's gotten over just the last five years alone, which is fucking phenomenal. No, no, no. There's some blemishes, and I'm calling them blemishes loosely on his record. But right, right. The way he performs. Even Volk's not performing to that standard. Like Volkanovski is winning fights, but he's not performing to the same standard that Max has set. Max has set the bar way the fuck up here. Folks, they're down here somewhere. But it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. To be quite honest, I hope he makes I, I hope they give him some sort of fucking right now, a super fight for him would be fucking great. Give him line his fucking pocket with money. Just fucking take two dump trucks, fill them up with $100 bills and right. dump them in his front yard and pray to God that the fucking leeward winds don't fucking move that shit away. Well, and, and the craziest part, we, we were talking about Song Yudong earlier being 23 and a fucking badass. The thing that people don't realize about Max Holloway, because we've already seen him for so long and do so much. Max Holloway is 29 years old. Yeah, he's just getting to the peak. Max Holloway turns 30 next month. He's not even in his fucking prime yet. He still has a good three or four years before he even gets to his fucking prime. He's literally still getting better. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I'll just, like, I'll just, I'll just throw throw this in there because 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 y'all are talking about Volk. Uh, clearly, there's the level difference. Volk is a point fighter. Yes. Point blank. If you yeah, Mo- if Volk's a strong dude, but I agree, Volk absolutely does do some point fighting. If he can if if he knows if he knows your fucking holes in your game, he's gonna expose you, get the points, and stretch your ass off 
to the fucking end, take it to the decision where he will win every fucking time because he knows he's a better point fighter than a knockout artist. Max Holloway is fucking everything. Max Holloway is the definition of a juggernaut. Yeah. Like when that momentum gets going, good fucking luck stopping that motherfucker because we saw Yair hit him with some big shots. Max ate every fucking one of them and walked right on through. Not a fuck to be given. So it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard to find somebody who's gonna be able to actually stop Max Holloway because it's never happened yet. Not not in not since he was a fucking up and comer since he was a beginner. So I'm I'm curious to see where Max goes from here. Uh, that being said, we actually did get one of those. Uh, crazy, unbelievable moments where the UFC does the thing that they're supposed to do and they give a fight of the night and then two performance of the night bonuses, you know, like they are supposed to be fucking doing regularly. Um, fight of the night, quite obviously, went to uh, Max versus Yair because it was fucking great. Uh, performance of the night bonuses went to Chaos Williams for his fucking stoppage and then Andrea Lee. How Song Dong didn't get that for fucking dropping Arce like that, or fucking Woodson didn't get it for a fucking body shot TKO. I don't understand, but again, you can't solve UFC problems with logic. We, we know that. Uh, that being said, um, we did get a, I don't want to say it's, it's correct, but it's a little more reasonable uh, set of medical suspensions from this last week already. Um, kind of in the vein of what they've been doing a lot lately. We, we've got two columns of people on the medical suspension list. We've got the, uh, you are quote unquote, temporarily suspended until uh, what's the, basically December 29th. It seems to be what everybody's is. Uh, either you're, you're short suspended until December 29th or you are suspended until May 13th or cleared by a doctor, which is, uh, Delima, Rothwell, Chaos Williams, Andrea Lee, Cynthia Calvillo, Courtney Casey, and Liana Jojua, even though she's been released and isn't part of the crew anymore. Um, it's better than nobody getting any kind of a long suspension when we know for a fact that there are clearly people who need some time off after those fights. Um, but I would like to see them pay a little more fucking attention and not doing all or nothing. Either you're hurt and you need six months or you're not hurt and you're good to go in two weeks. A little more gray area than that would be appreciated, but it's it's better than where we have been, so there is that. That, though, will bring us into our news and recent events segment of the show for this evening. Um, fairly narrow on the news this week. Uh, uh, ironically, words live or hard sometimes. Uh, ironically, there are more non-fight news than fight news this week. So we will get to the fights first. Um, Monsat, Monserrat, it's a hell of a name, excuse me. Monserrat Ruiz uh, is officially out of next week's matchup with Mallory Martin due to undisclosed reasons. No word whether it is injury or possible Rona in the camp or what. Um, but we did get confirmed this afternoon infuriatingly 
stepping in on a week's notice after having to cancel her own fucking bout last week due to her getting the Rona. Uh, Cheyenne Bays will be stepping in to take on Mallory Martin somehow next Saturday night. So that's interesting. Go Mallory. I really hope you get a fucking knockout win, but you know, we'll see, or excuse me, not next Saturday, uh, the December, uh, fourth card, excuse me, the, the next, next upcoming card, not next weekend. I apologize. Clarify. Um, the next fight announcement we got was kicking into the 2022 calendar year for the February 19th card. We got a very interesting matchup. I am excited to see how it plays out. Nasrat Hakparast taking on John McDessie. Very, very interesting matchup indeed. I, I feel like it's kind of McDessie's shit or get off the pot moment here. Uh, he's, he's kind of been around long enough that they're not really sparing him from the upcoming talent anymore. And Nasrat's kind of starting to make a fucking name for himself. So this could be a real interesting matchup in my opinion. Um, but the fight announcement that I am actually the most excited for this week is for the March 12th card. Uh, they have officially announced the main event, barring anything between now and then, of course. Uh, Magomed and Goliath taking on Tiago Santos. Ankalaev has literally just been tearing through the goddamn division since he beat the shit out of Ian Kutalaba twice. Um, and Santos is kind of starting to slip his way back down that hill. It's starting to realistically look like the best performance we might have seen from Tiago Santos was literally on one leg against John Jones in the title fight that he lost. Uh, he just hasn't been able to catch that lightning in a bottle since that fight. And I don't know why. I, I, I don't. I don't get it, uh, but I tell you one thing: Ankalaev ain't going to give him a chance to fuck around. Ankalaev is on a fucking tear, and I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup because if Ankalaev can do to Santos what he's done to basically everyone else, that dude's in a very, very, very good position to be tearing that top five apart real fucking quick. Um, first piece of interesting non-fight news here: uh, after a couple of weeks ago. They have, I believe last time I saw, they had officially called it a indefinite suspension, not an actual expulsion or removal of, but John Jones is officially no longer welcome at Jackson Wink headquarters, uh, leaving speculation by all seven of his remaining fans as to where the fuck he's going to go next. Um, well, that question, to no one's fucking surprise, has been answered uh, John Jones has officially moved his new home and training headquarters to Greg Jackson Satellite Gym. <laughs> uh, despite pretending to be a hard critic on John Jones for all the stupid shit he has done over the years, amassing with the most recent fucking obnoxious douchebaggery that deserves an ass whooping of epic proportions, Greg Jackson open arm welcomed John Jones into the Satellite Gym because it is not officially affiliated with Jackson Wink headquarters. So fuck John Jones and fuck Greg Jackson, as far as I'm concerned now. Uh, in other news, water gets things wet. The sun is bright. Uh, next thing you've got to talk about here. Uh, 
Frankie Edgar has now officially come out and called the stoppage of his fight against Cheeto Vera bullshit and plans to appeal it to the commission. I'm a little torn on this one. On one hand, I, I get when a fighter doesn't think the stoppage that they got was fair, they should be entitled to go to the commission and, and request a review. I believe that every fighter should be entitled to that because if you don't believe it, you should have an impartial third party be able to verify for you that not in your feelings, they can see you lost that fight. At the same time, though, I feel like, especially at the level that Frankie Edgar is, you should have somebody in your camp, in your corner, when that decision comes down to put their hand on your shoulder and look you in the fucking eye and say, nah, man, he got you. And you should be able to take that as hard as that might be to swallow and fucking move on. And I don't feel like Frankie has that in his corner. I feel like that's why he's saying this shit because as great as Frankie is doing it, 135 pounds, and he fucking is, which is mystifying unto itself, his corner does not seem to be as enthused about his run at 35 as he is. And I think that's a recipe for a disaster. I think combined with the longevity that Frankie has, the danger of the opponents he's facing, you need somebody in your corner that is 100% on your fucking side that can give you any piece of advice or anything in your ear and you will take and accept immediately. Especially when it comes to a situation like a tough fight loss. Frankie Edgar quite literally got made the new Vitor versus Anderson. He got that fucking straight up the middle, kick to the fucking mouth. The, uh, and I specifically did not use it as the fucking gift or the fucking thumbnail or any of that shit for this fight because I agree with Cheeto Vera. That fucking picture doesn't need to be used to try and embarrass or make fun of Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar is a fucking legend. And that, that moment just happened to be how that fight ended. But Frankie got ended. He got front kicked right up the middle and he got dropped. It was a good fucking stoppage. And it sucks that he says that, but I feel like it's not just Frankie saying that. I feel like he's saying that because he doesn't have the people in his corner that he fucking needs. And that's the part that really worries me. I mean, like, a lot of people at the higher level of performance of any fucking sport. Uh, after a while, you just get, fr- you, you're just surrounded by yes, men just, Oh exactly. yeah, man, you're doing good. Oh yeah. You're doing good. In all actuality, you have not made any type of progression in like nine fucking years, but like, yeah, dude, you're doing great, man. This is the best I've ever fucking seen you, dude. You're doing great. You hear that. That sort of shit a lot. And especially at the at the fucking top end of sports entertainment and sports in general, across the fucking board, anywhere you fucking go, you see that fucking everywhere. Yeah, it sucks. It, it really sucks. Uh, I genuinely hope Frankie gets back on track and we get to see Frankie Edgar still kicking ass and taking names because I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That, that, that fight was in no indication in no way an indication that Frankie needs to quit. That just wasn't Frankie's night. Cheeto came in better prepared for the situation, period. Take it, deal with it, move on, we'll deal with it as it comes. But uh, it sucks. Uh, moving on from there, though, uh, we did get official confirmation. Uh, Kevin Lee has now officially 
been suspended for six months and ordered to pay $16,000 in fines because he was quite literally too lazy to fill out the therapeutic use exemption form that he would have been granted for the prescription medication that he's had for eight fucking years. That is called the case of born retarded can fix it. He literally moved up in weight classes, which means the medication that he was taking dosage got changed, which means the amount in his tests for the fights will have changed, putting him over the limit without a therapeutic use exemption, which he would have been granted. And they said he would have been granted. All he literally had to do was sign a piece of paper that says, I'm moving up weight classes. This is the medicine I take. The milligram will be higher. So my, the amount in my tests will be higher than it was previously. I'm allowed to have that. And it would have been no issue, quite literally, just a piece of fucking paper that no one would have objected to. Instead, it's six months on the sideline and $16,000 in fine for being a lazy asshole. That's stupid. That's fucking stupid, okay? Captain E. Dipshit deserved that ass whooping D Rod gave you. But uh, this is the point where we tie back to the one we pinned earlier to come back to, uh, talking about the women's 145 pound division. Uh, Dana did confirm in the post fight press conference last week. He is literally only holding the 145-pound women's division open as long as Amanda Nunez is willing to keep defending the belt. When Amanda Nunez decides that she is going to retire, he is closing the division. So, what are you keeping an opening for? There's nobody there. Yeah, that's, that's kind of why we were talking about that earlier. I appreciate Felicia Spencer coming out there and quite literally fighting for her job against Leah Letson, trying to get people to pay attention to the featherweight division what five of them there is now six with leah back um but it's it's time either these ladies need to bump down to 135 because amanda's going to be gone soon anyways or dana needs to genuinely invest and bring in like a dozen women 145 pound fighters and i don't see him doing that i just don't so if, I have a if, feeling the ladies 145 pound division is going to be gone pretty soon. If he if he is totally okay with keeping a division just because it's a it's there's a title and fucking somebody is a double champ status to keep them a, on, on a fucking double champ status active in two different divisions, you're a worthless piece of fucking shit. Two, you have less than like 10, you have far less than 10 people in, in a division. Technically. That's not a fucking division. You want to keep somebody in there just to continue fucking putting her face every four months, fucking double champ, double champ, fucking this, that, and the other thing, and give that bitch more money. Fuck you. Fuck your company. Well, the extra ironic piece is that if what he really wants is somebody to be able to hold a belt and double champ it to, to keep a division interesting create a men's 165 pound division and watch how many people bounce back and forth and double champ it the fuck up. Dude, I would, you literally, you must uh, fucking earwig me because <laughs> I fucking was just about to say that of course he's not going to put together, he's not going to put together a 145 pound division for the women if he right. won't bring into effect a super lightweight division because that's what yep. 165 is. That's super lightweight. 
you can have guys coming up from lightweight to 165 and guys from 170 coming down to super lightweight. That would really fucking blast things well, up and make a hell of a division. But he doesn't look at it this to- way. Dana loves Kamzat so much because he bounces back and forth. If they would have put a 165-pound division in, they'd have 30 Kamzats. Yep. Most of the 155ers could go to 70, but it's just not quite competitive because most of the guys at 70 are coming down from 85. Yep. Put that 65 in there, you got 70s cutting down, you got 55s moving up, and you got natural 65ers who are there all day long, and there's a bunch of them. But, you know, they're not going to do that because that would make sense. That's kind of like trying to apply uh, logic. Like going out and recruiting, uh, like do do fucking like two or three seasons of the Ultimate Fighter 145 women's. You'll fucking get that. I mean, and you can throw it in with 145 men's. So you have fucking men, female, fucking. To be quite honest, I still can't figure out why. Why in the hell now that Tough is back? Have that idea not crossed their mind to do a co-ed fucking house where you've got the 145, like two fucking divisions, one male, one female, and have them coached by the same coaches. Fuck it. Let it happen. Do it for 145-pound women's. So that way we can actually get a decent division going. Because even if the one doesn't, you're going to get one who's guaranteed a contract. Even if the other ones don't win, they can still be in the division because we need people in that fucking division. I mean, I see that as a sexual harassment PR nightmare. Right. I, I, I think that I, I don't know if that's for sure, but I got to imagine that that's at least part of the reason why it's generally like 115 oh. pound women, 185 pound men, like 125 pound women, heavyweight men. Like. <laughs> Not a lot of co-mingling to worry about, or at least not a lot that would be secretive enough to have to worry about when you got 275-pound dudes and 115-pound ladies. Well, they get two houses right next door to each other. You guys can afford that shit. Right, right. No, I, there's, there's, there's absolutely ways that they could totally fix this, but clearly... Dana just bringing in a super lightweight division, it ain't getting fixed. Yeah, Dana just clearly doesn't want to. There are plenty of other problems he could fix with the snap of a finger, just like this one. But as we've seen time and time again, things don't get fixed in the UFC until it affects Dana directly. And this just doesn't. So we'll see how it goes from there going forward. Um, next piece of uh oh. I felt it reading the storyline news. Um, I actually posted about this one on Discord uh, and decided to go ahead and talk about it anyway, much as it's literally making me cringe just to read the headline. Um, gentleman from the PFL, name of Christian Lawson, um, had a bad day this week. Uh, lots of us have bad days, but Christian had a really bad day. Um, as anybody who has ever trained for anything knows, sometimes when you're training, something goes a little wonky and something slips the way that it's not supposed to, and somebody might get a little injured and you might have to take a little time off. Christian had a little slip up in training this week. Uh, he was uh, working with a couple of training partners that he's worked with for quite a while. Somebody threw a knee 
and it slipped. Uh, I think the best way to phrase this is that in training, guys don't always wear the same amount of protective gear that they do when they're fighting in the actual octagon. This was apparently one of those situations and the knee that slipped through would have ordinarily been caught by a protective piece of equipment. And in this situation, wasn't. And it caused a rupture that led to a subsequent amputation of a testicle. Who, who, who was it that got, uh, I can't remember his name, fucking Reebok cow, uh, fucking camo. What's his fucking name? Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell. That that story reminded me of Bryce whenever he got his nuts fucking caught, caught up and twisted while he's working on his fucking farm. And then had to take the drill out and drive himself to the hospital. Yeah. Crazy motherfucker. <sighs> Apparently, surgery went well. Everything is stitched back the way that it should be. And he expected to make a full recovery, but I'm not certain if he'll ever be able to fight MMA again. He just doesn't have the balls that he used to. Oh, oh that being oh, said, uh, you know, what can I say? You're going to nudge the guy when he's down. That was a good one. Restop that groin, as they say. Restop that groin. That's right. Oh, but, um, in what the fuck is wrong with you news? Um, we got report this week that Khabib's cousin Usman Nurmagomedov, uh, rising talent in Bellator up until this week, uh, is now in trouble as he is wanted in question for running over a police officer at the Russian airport who tried to stop him in his Toyota Camry. Uh, Bellator has refused to comment because they are waiting for final word as to what is actually happening with it, but they said they are, quote-unquote, concerned. I would be, too, generally trying to run over a Russian cop in Russia. Doesn't go over well, even if your last name is Nurmagomedov, so we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, last piece of news I do have here for this evening, though. Uh, we officially got word yesterday afternoon, uh, late yesterday afternoon, early yesterday evening. Uh, Canelo has officially been cleared and licensed to make a two weight class jump. He is going up to cruiserweight to take on Ilunga Makabu for the WBC cruiserweight championship belt this will make the fifth weight class canelo has competed in um i'm real fucking curious to see how this plays out because we've seen dudes make jumps in the mma world before but it's a little bit different in boxing um and canelo's a bad motherfucker man he really really is but Will that bad motherfucker status translate when he goes up two fucking weight classes? I guarantee it will. Because you know damn well he walks around north of 200 pounds. He is Look, thick. And yeah. That boy is 200 pounds. Look, he walks around well north of that. 
fucking guaranteed. Because you look at Canelo, he's a yoked motherfucker. It's going to translate well because he's not going to have to cut as much. To be quite That's honest, the only difference is we're going to see him against somebody who might, and I say might, be able to do something against him. And I say might loosely because, to be quite honest, there's not a lot of boxers out there with the skill set of Canelo. Like, to be quite honest, if Canelo could get to fucking heavyweight, he could give the Gypsy King a run for his money. They, yeah, they'd be in fucking trouble for sure. But um, I, 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 the only thing that really worries me about this fight from Canelo's side is that this is Canelo's first time moving up two fucking weight classes, and he's taking on an existing champion who's used to fighting at this weight. And we've seen that be a problem for guys as well, Israel Adesanya. Uh, sometimes moving up to fight a guy who's used to fighting at that weight doesn't go your way, even if you are the same size. So it, it'll be interesting to see for sure, but I'm, I'm fucking stoked to see it. Boxing needs some shit to make it fucking interesting again. Canelo jumping two fucking weight classes has got most everybody's attention for good fucking reason. So, oh yeah. And to be quite honest, this two weight jump is actually going to tell us how good really is Canelo. Cause going up that high in two weight class jump, uh, it's going to show a, a big skill set on how big his skill set really is. Right, yeah, it's going to make you use your tools for sure. Yeah. I mean, we already know he's fucking great, but how great is he is the question. Is right. he going to have right. five, five titles right. from five different weight classes? Possibly. That's, that's a good chance. Yeah, no, that's that's the ultimate question is just how good is Canelo Alvarez? Well, we're about to find the fuck out. <laughs> oh, but... That, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up the news and recent events that I got. Do either one of you gentlemen have anything that I might have missed? Yeah, you know, this is something that did pop in my head because um, I just want to say that after, was it last week? I think it was last week. I think Ciro Gan is living in Francis's head rent fucking free right now. Oh, yes. I, oh, did yeah. you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys had to have Always. seen the video of... Um, Francis walking straight by him and didn't even try to look in his direction. Yeah, I watched like, that shit lie. He tried to pretend that he wasn't even fucking there. Meanwhile, Cyril is waiting to like shake his hand and like say hi to him and be cordial and literally just watches him walk right past. Like, and I did see a little deep dive um, article done on that with the coach, with coaches. Yeah, saying how um, Francis talks Cyril down. Because he didn't want to have to worry about him coming in. Mm-hmm. So he said, oh, he's okay. And that's yeah, what took it so long for Cyril to get here. Yep. Other- yeah, Francis literally shit on Cyril on his way up. Yeah, so he, I'm like, there, there's some shade going on there. And the way that he walked past him, he knows he's fucked. He knows oh, yeah. he's Well, and that's the thing, is that even after that came out, Cyril still, was like he said in, a, in an interview after that, like, that was weird. I was waiting to shake his hand and say, hello, we've known each other for years, regardless of the fact that we're going to compete. We're still human beings outside of the cage. And I know you, you know me, you can't say hello. Yep. I'm like, there's going to be a little heat coming into this one. Yeah. And like, as, there's some shade. As cordial as Ciro was about it. I'm pretty sure he's fucking fumed about it too. I, I, I think that was polite for the camera's sake. I think that was being a professional. And I think when the door closed, he was like, what the fuck is wrong with that asshole? <laughs> to be quite honest, after seeing that, I, 
I really hope for fuck's sakes that Francis gets his clock clean for more than one reason. One, holding out when he should have been fighting the title fight. And then two, for that bullshit, man. Yeah, Yeah. not to mention you had already thrown shade at him before for uh, so you could get away into the UFC untouched and unscathed. I'm just waving the bullshit flag there. There's some there's some fuckery afoot. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, like like dude, like I like that's my old training partner. You got the shot to fight me for the title. We used to train together. I'm giving you hugs. I'm fucking dude. <laughs> we are in the UFC. We are fighting for the belt. We, we made we it. No matter together. who fucking wins it, we made it. We busted our ass training <laughs> together for years. We're here. We're we're on top of the fucking world. It's us. Good, yeah. good fucking job, dude. Like y'all busted your ass training together. I don't give a fuck about throwing shade whenever Cyril was 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 making his come up because that is the most disrespectful fucking thing. That was your dude that you went to to train to get you to where you, you are get now. To the top, yeah. He helped you get there. <laughs> and you're gonna do that? That's disrespectful as fuck, man. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I agree. Uh, I I was never really a holy shit, Francis is the future kind of guy, but after learning more about him and learning more about the situation, I can definitely say I am going to be rooting for Cyril Gone in this matchup. Fuck yeah, and can, can we say karma is a motherfucker? That's what I was just going to say, and, and he's got the benefit of karma being on his side here, so that could be a deciding factor. Stranger things have changed bigger outcomes. <laughs> but that is all we've got for our news and recent events for this evening. This would be the point, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, where the audio listeners are unfortunately deprived of that sweet, sweet gift that rolls across the screen, terrifyingly letting all of our video viewers know this is the moment when the show crosses the threshold into the pit. This is where we take our lovely little MMA show and turn it a little bit competitive. We make it a bit of a gentlemanly game, if you will, friendly and all, but points are whose line is it anyway style. They're all, they're, the rules are made up and the points don't matter. Uh, so that being said, the returning new guy champion is here. So you, sir, will be kicking us off. And on time. And, and on time. So there is that as well. So as we like to do around here, we are going to stick with tradition because it works so fucking well sometimes. This weekend, we have a very interesting UFC card to get excited about for before our upcoming two-week break. Very interesting in both the main and co-main event in that they are not really top of the stack, number one contenders in either situation, but both potential winners could find themselves on the shortlist for that conversation. So... Michael Maverick Chiesa versus Sean Brady in our co-main event. How do you think this is going to play out, sir? All right. I'm going to start this off 
with Love Michael Chiesa. Although, I don't think this fight should be a thing. You have Michael Chiesa cemented himself on being a top dog in the fucking division. Number six, fucking solid. Consistently fucking performs. You have Sean Brady, four fights, got skyrocketed and pushed through the UFC. There is no fucking strength of schedule competing against fucking Michael Chiesa. You are got fucking dented soup cans, and then you just got soup cans at the fucking tail end of your undefeated four four fight streak. There, you, I don't know how the fuck you got fourteenth in the division. You have four fucking fights against soup cans. Michael Chiesa is gonna fucking steamroll the fuck over him because Michael Chiesa has fucking the fight IQ, the wherewithal to know that I can hurt him anywhere, clinch, stand up, fucking ground. You're like, and everybody's talking about fucking Sean Brady has got ground game like no other. Dude, he hasn't fought somebody like fucking Michael Chiesa yet. Michael Chiesa's taken it. I'll say early to mid second round. I think because Michael Chiesa fashion, he likes to give a minute to really get the timing down. And I think uh, Brady over here is going to take some fucking leaps of faith on fucking single legs. Interesting. Interesting indeed. So that'll bring it over to you, golf team. The Maverick versus the young New Englander. How do you think the co-main event plays out this weekend, sir? Normally, I would be inclined to agree with RJ right here and say that Michael Chiesa is definitely going to take it. However, um, here's a caveat to that. Um, We just seen Chiesa, who is generally a really good ground specialist, get fucking subbed by a shitty ground guy in Vicente Luque. And you have Sean Brady crossed here. Who his last, he's won four fights in a row in the UFC. And you're right, strength schedule, not that impressive. But if you go back, his last two fights that he's had were both submission victories inside of fucking, I think they were both inside of um, the mid-third round and earlier. So the dude has fucking submission prowess. I mean, and his last win was, I wouldn't say exactly a soup can, a pretty solid contender in Jake Matthews. So I can't say that he doesn't stand a chance here. Do I think he's going to win? No, but there is a glimmer of hope that he could possibly sub. Fucking good old fucking, just look, look, all right. I'm, I want to get lost for a second and I don't want to take too long, but Michael Chiesa definitely has the better ground game, but the way Sean Brady has shown up lately with his back-to-back sub wins has a very good chance of subbing Kiesa, who's been subbed by lesser men. Very valid point. Very valid point. Uh, Interesting call here. Interesting call indeed. Um, I can see both sides. I can see both sides here for sure. Uh, on one hand, Michael Chiesa is absolutely a fucking steamroller. On the other hand, Luke 
might not be known for his ground game, but he's pretty fucking legit as demonstrated by getting this, getting over on Kiesa. Uh, you also got to wonder, is that still in Kiesa's mind? And with that being something that Brady has a proclivity to go to, I might be inclined to be worried about that if I was Kiesa as well. Um, we are going to give the point for round one to golf tee. Valiant effort to RJ, but uh, I, I am inclined to agree with Galti on this one here. That, however, will bring us to round two. And in round two around here, when we open with the ever so lovely co-main event question, it inevitably leads us to the main event. Misha Cupcake Tate trying to get past Caitlin Vieira and get herself into title contention. So Galti, we'll go with you on this one first. How do you think this main event is going to play out for us Saturday night? Oops, not fucking mute button. God damn it. Um, well, right, I was having trouble with the timer anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess then we're all in cahoots here. Um, <laughs> and go. <laughs> Look, um, I'll say this. I won't say Vera is a fucking great fighter because, to be quite honest, she's not. She got beat by Kaniskaya. So that tells you something right there. To be quite honest, you get beat by fucking Kaniskaya, who is now going to be out for the foreseeable future for probably another year or so with the whole pregnancy thing. But anyhow, um, I digress. Nisha, the way she looked in that comeback fight, man. Saying there's something to be said there. I don't think fucking Caitlin Vieira stands a snowball's chance in hell, to be quite honest. The way Cupcake looked coming back, she showed that she deserved to be back. A fucking KO win, uh, albeit against an aging and fucking retiring Renault. But it was fucking impressive. I agree. It's going to be very interesting to see. But that'll bring us back over to you, sir. Mr. RJ. Caitlin versus Misha. The final main event before our Thanksgiving break. How do you think this one plays out, sir? You know, to be honest, I give a fuck less. For one reason. You have Caitlin Vieira, and as TJ said, she got shit wrecked by Kunskaya, somebody who is lackluster at best. Two, you're going against Misha Tate. Still, even after the um the was it five years of her being away from the the, the industry from fighting. She looks far better than Yana Kuniskaya could ever fucking dream up. My only problem is they want to skyrocket Misha Tate to give her a title shot fucking tomorrow. I could give a fuck less about this fight. There's my one minute. Interesting. Very interesting. I will say it is a little bit ironic that Misha Tate has gone from coaching Juliana Pena on the ultimate fighter to trying to steal the title shot from her 
in the regular UFC now. Uh, oh, how the wheels have turned, as they say. Um, very interesting turnabout of how things have come through. Um, I, I will say uh, I definitely agree with TJ here. Uh, when when you lose to Kunitskaya, how you end up drawing the lottery to get in against Misha Tate after she looked as good as she did in her comeback fight last time, I don't know. Um, but ultimately, I, I do have to agree with RJ here. It, it really doesn't make two fucks of a difference here. If Caitlin Vieira comes out and KOs Misha Tate in 10 seconds, it won't make a shit bit of difference because she's still not going to be in that conversation. At the same time, even if Misha Tate comes out and just fucking ragdolls Caitlin Vieira with all the bullshit that they've already had to go through, she's not going to jump the shark and get Pena out of that conversation. Pena is going to be next. So at best, she's waiting to hopefully see Amanda not retire to get herself a title shot. Otherwise, it might get her there, but realistically, probably not. Um, so we are going to go ahead and give points for round two here to RJ for that one. Thank you, shitty matchmaking in the UFC again. Right. Yeah, uh, thank Maybe you. Sean Selby Leo need a uh, fucking Leroy Jethro Gibbs right to the back of her fucking cranium. Thank you, thank you, fucking shitty UFC for giving her one fight, but keeping her in the top ten for five <laughs> fucking years. Right. <sighs> Ridiculousness. But that'll bring us to round three, gentlemen. So as we like to do around here, round three. I am very curious as to what you think may be the slept on or the overlooked or the dark horse fight of the night with this being the last UFC card before the break. They're very clearly focused on that Misha Tate fight with a slight smidgen of sprinkling on that Kiesa match, but there's a whole rest of the card there. So surely something on this card has caught your eye that has not made its way into the press junket as it were. So RJ. What is your dark horse fight of the evening, sir? I really wouldn't call it my dark horse fight because I don't think it's going to be a spectacular fight, but it's a fight that I'm very excited for, uh, for two reasons. It's a, it's a debut fighter who's been trying to get in the UFC for quite literally almost three fucking years now. I say that because every time he gets a fight booked, the motherfucker gets canceled being Nathan Levy. He's he, he's had fights getting canceled since 2019. And he is going against Hoffa Garcia and hopefully Nathan Levy can keep his undefeated record and send fucking Hoffa Garcia's walking papers with the fucking 0 for 3 in the UFC. That's the only reason I'm fucking excited for that fight. You have a kid that's been fucking trying to get in the UFC for years now. Keeps getting blackballed. And hopefully, Hoffa Garcia will get walking papers. I can understand that. I can definitely see that point. And, yeah, it, it definitely sucks to see somebody struggle for that fucking long. And then on, on his debut, you get a guy who's 0-3. Like, I think that's about as close as the UFC can give you to a fucking – softball lob as a new guy like we get it you struggled to get here but here's an 03 soup can show us something <laughs> so uh, i agree good point here 
so that'll bring us back over to you, Miss Golf Tee. Uh, of this crazy menagerie of fights we have got this weekend to look forward to, what is the dark horse that stands out to you, sir? To be quite honest, mine is David Grant and Adrian Yanez. Uh, look, Adrian Yanez has been a fucking knockout artist since he's coming into the UFC. He has a first round, a second round, and a third round knockout in his three fights in the UFC. So he can do it in any fucking round, which is fucking amazing. Davey Grant had a hell of a run up until he ran across Cheeto Vera earlier this year. And he, don't get me wrong, at the beginning of his career with the UFC, it was pretty rough. But then he pulled his shit together and he was on a three or four fight win streak before he ran across Vera, which ironically he had beaten Vera previously when they matched up back in 2016. So look, that's a horse piece. That's a fight I'd like to see run back again. But um, at this point, that right there, just by the way, these two have shown out. I think it's going to be a hell of a fucking banger for Bantamweights. And to be quite honest, I see Giannis um, handing David Grant a second loss. Because that fucking KOs in any round, man, Giannis is a dangerous motherfucker. And people were not talking enough about him. So if that's the fight to tune in for. Mark, mark my words. Right after that premiere prelim, once you get to that main card, tune in. You're not going to want to miss that one. I can absolutely agree with that. Um, that's going to be a very interesting fight to see play out. Uh, it, and I agree, it's absolutely getting slept on. I've only heard, I've listened to, I've listened to four other MMA broadcasts give their take on this weekend's upcoming card. And all four of them completely looked over this fight. One of them mentioned that it's an interesting fight to open a card with. That's as much attention as I saw this fight get though. Um, also, I, was, I have a legitimate question real quick. Yep. Mostly because I was doing my research shit. Durden, who the fuck, how the fuck do you say his opponent's name? <laughs> Because there is a lot of there's a lot of letters in there. Wait, that what? Cody Durden. The prelim. How the fuck do you say that that Asian man's name? You you look at it. It's A O R I Q I Ling. <laughs> I think, if I remember right, hang on, let me check something here. I think this is the guy that's we'll just call him the Mongolian murderer. Yeah. They were just calling him the Mongolian murderer because his name is a one word name like share, but none of them could figure out how to actually say it. Right. So they just called him the Mongolian murderer. (laughs) How do you say that? I'm sure we'll find out because, um, Buffer's got to announce that shit unless they're having fucking unless Buffer's not going to be there this weekend. Yeah. Cause, cause that's the guy that fucking Alfred Molina or Alfred, Jeffrey Molina, excuse me, uh, beat in April. Yeah, because he comes out with a, a very similar Khabib-esque big furry hat, I believe, but I think his is a black hat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that we ever actually got to see them pronounce his name, so we'll see if, <laughs> we'll see if we get it this time around. <laughs> because I was, I was looking at it, and I'm like, how the fuck do you say that? There's a lot of there's a lot of interesting names in the UFC, but that one fucking stumped me. Usually, I, usually I can, uh, second I can and sound it out, but that's that's a rough one. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that will bring us to round four. And fans of the show will recognize oh, that the point. When we go. Oh, the point. Sorry. You didn't say the point. Point for round three. Uh, we will go to TJ here for that Giannis uh, Davy Grant fight. Uh, I am very interested to see how Nathan Levy turns out, but getting is how they're throwing him an 0-3 soup can, it's almost expected for him to do something entertaining. And if he doesn't, maybe there's a reason it's taken him three fucking years to get to the UFC. I'm just hoping, I'm just hoping Hoffa Garcia gets walking papers because he was I, I hyped up like a motherfucker. Right. I, I wouldn't be mad at it. He's absolutely gotten hyped and then disappointed every time out. So that will bring us to the round four. So round four, when we go with our traditional dark horse for uh, round three, brings us to the opposite side of that coin here for round four. With all of these fights, there is obviously one that is getting talked about way too fucking much for no goddamn good reason. So if three was the dark horse, four brings us to the overhyped fight. Which hype, or excuse me, which fight is getting all of the hype for no goddamn good reason? Golf team. We'll let you take this one first, sir. You know what's surprising? They got way more fucking hype behind it than I think should be anywhere necessary. And it shouldn't even be on the main card. The Joanne Wood and Talia Santos fight. To be quite honest, that fight in the women's flyweight division doesn't make a goddamn rat's ass bit of difference. None of those women are going to do a goddamn thing at flyweight to win the title. Not us, not a chance in hell. Hell could freeze over. The fucking devil himself could put on a parka and snow pants, and this wouldn't make a fucking bit of difference. But here they are talking about this like it's going to make some big difference in the flyweight division in the women's side. It's not. Trillian Wood's good in her own right. Tali Santos kind of on the come up, but to be quite honest, neither one of them look impressive enough to be even thinking about title worthy. Waste of time talking about it. I can absolutely agree with that, uh, even though, uh, ironically, more of the focus is on the fact that her name is now Joanne Wood instead of Joanne Calderwood because she married her boyfriend whose last name was Wood, so she literally just lost half her last name than her actual ability to fight or the fact that this fight has no actual ramifications in the division. But, you know, UFC going to do what a UFC going to do. But that brings us back over to you, RJ. What do you think on this our final pre-Turkey Day UFC card is the overhyped fight of the evening. Which one just gets all the love for no fucking reason? All right. I'm going back again to out of left field real quick. I've done it. I did it. I did it last week. Going back out to left field. Main card. Looking at the main card. Take everything off except fucking Davey, Yanez, the Michael Chiesa and Brady fight. Everything else got overhyped. Because they talked about everything else. Quite literally, Misha Tate and fucking Vera, uh, Vera that can fuck off. I already said that. Chiesa-Brady fight, that's going to be pretty decent. Uh, TJ said the fucking Joanne and Talia fight. Neither one of them have really done fucking anything for a hot fucking minute. And the uh, Kyung, Kyung Ho Kang 
has been in the UFC for years, but yet he is still fighting, but has done shit. But yet they still want to hype him up. Take half of the fucking main card. I have a great idea. Take off the fucking main main event, the Misha Tate fight. Take that off. Put Kiesa and Brady as a main as a as a main. And then take the fucking Pat Sabatini and fucking Lutz fight and put that to your fucking uh, co-main. I would watch that because that would actually be a decent fight and actually shake up a, a division a little bit. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Uh, I, I got to say, uh, as much as I agree with TJ that Joanne Wood and Tyler Santos have no business on this fucking main card, uh, I got to say, as a whole, the, the vast majority of this main card is kind of dog shit. Uh, not to mention uh, bonus points for mentioning our own Tommy V's favorite fighter. Pat Sabatini. You're welcome, Tommy. Um, to be quite honest, I'm disappointed RJ mentioned that because I was going to see if we could get away without saying anything just to piss you off enough to get you to say it. So uh, to be quite honest... RJ, I see this as a failure on your part because we didn't get a chance to get Meter pissed off enough to say anything. It's time to shoot me a DM then. You fucked up? No. You should be smart enough to pick up on these things, man. We know things that will get Meter fired up, and yet, time and time again, you use them because you know, oh, it'll get good graces and good points. Look, the points are made up. Fucking results don't matter. Let's have some fun and fuck with them a little bit when we get the chance in here. Come on, man. I mean, my solid, my solid one still that I am proud of is the fucking Miller fight because that pissed me off so bad. That, that, look, you were on point there. I figured I didn't have to say anything anymore after that, that you were just going to nail this shit coming in. No, no, here we are. I have to explain shit again. Here we go. That and we know based on uh, last night on TJ's show that uh, RJ doesn't check his DMs live during shows. That being said, he is still getting a point for this round. Uh, So if you're good at maths, that will let you know that we are all tied up. That sends us to the sudden death round five, the point where points really don't matter because this one takes the taco. So round five as we often do around here. We're going off in the left field. We are not talking about anything UFC related this weekend. For round five, gentlemen, you have a challenge. There is one and one only card taking place during the two weeks while we will be off the air. That is the Triller Triad Combat card. A literal triangle-shaped ring with boxers and MMA participants in a shared rule set. Clinching, no groundwork, no no knees. Back fists are allowed. So, being as how there is only one card to entertain us on Thanksgiving Day weekend, your challenge, gentlemen, you have one minute. Convince us that Metallica as a musical entertainment act isn't reason enough to not watch that thriller card. Sell us on the show. That will be the only thing to entertain us. 
RJ, being as how you are the returning champion this week, you get champion's prerogative. Would you like to answer this question first or pass it along to TJ and wait to go second? I'll, I'll answer it first. All okay. Right. Before we get into it, name two fighters. Name On two fighters. Yeah, name two fighters. Just pick Frank just Moore. off, off top of your head. Frank, uh, oh, okay, so two Franks. Oh, you mean like two fighters that like were something 10 years ago and then are no longer anything now because they fucking suck ass because they... It's Triller. They did fucking a Paul and a Paul. Uh, 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 commission deems we're not allowed to bring those in. We've already had the commission discussion on this. Can't use those names here. I don't give a fuck. You you quite literally have set up the stupidest shit for a year. But you expect us to continue to fucking watch for musical entertainment purposes. And let me just go off and fuck Metallica for what the DMCA, the DMCA is for uh, uh, fucking everybody on social media. Uh, we get copyright striked all the fucking time from a company in Brazil. Thank you, Brazil. Uh, yeah, it's it. You're talking about Triller, who's just we do great fights. You're a fucking company that just puts on lackluster performances of people that are fucking washed up and expect people to pay a hundred dollars to watch 90 minutes of fucking music. I'm gonna go piss because that's what the fuck Triller's worth right now. Interesting sales pitch. Bold strategy. We'll see how it plays out for him. So that brings it back over to you, Golf Team. Being as how we have one and one only card to look forward to during our break, how could you convince folks that that's something they should watch? I will do no such thing at all. I will take this minute to say, as much as I enjoy some of Metallica's music, it's not worth paying for you're better off downloading LimeWire and getting it for free, risking them showing up at your door to serve you a fucking warrant. Triller has no business in the combat sports world. Do not give them your money. Do not watch the shows. Do not watch anyone associated with those shows. Do not listen to any of the bullshit that they put on. It's not worth it. I will anti-sell this. In fact, if you want to buy that, donate your money to me. I could fucking use it. I could definitely understand that. I could definitely understand that. I was very curious to see if either one of you would actually try to get people to watch it because uh, in case you didn't notice, folks, we don't endorse that shit. Uh, aside from the fact that Triller is a, a garbage company to begin with, this is just another in a long line of bastardizations of MMA in an attempt to exploit it solely for a cash grab that it is, uh, Metallica being the perfect example of that. Uh, so while I do commend both of you gentlemen on making the valid point of telling people do not fucking pay Triller a penny to watch that shit. There are plenty of streams out there that you can find that you won't have to pay for that you can still be just as disappointed with as if you'd have paid for it. Uh, but the distinction between the two answers is the big difference maker here. There was one of these gentlemen who made a significant point 
and emphasizing that fact over the other. And for that, we have got to give the win, the point, the full round two. Uh, I'm afraid it might just come down to a matter of age here, but the winner for making the point to mention the LimeWire fiasco that gave all of our computers herpes in 2004, Golf Teammates. And to be quite honest, I want to double down on this. If you're going to download LimeWire, you may as well download Napster too. <laughs> Fuck you, Lars. <laughs> Oh, but Amazing. that being said, that shit for free now on fucking Spotify. <laughs> no, that that being said, though, uh, we are going to call that all for this particular episode of the show. So before we get out of here, I do want to thank each and every one of you, whether you were tuning in with us live or you're catching this on a replay. We appreciate you just the same. But before we get out of here, I do want to give these fine gentlemen a chance to say their piece. So if folks want to learn about that new guy swagger you got and how that training regiment gets you to such a place how can they get a hold of you after the show or rj i mean if you'd like to get a hold of me and talk about what is becoming the, the power of the mullet because it's fucking getting there uh and you can come talk to me about if you listen to tj earlier this month while we are on our break you could watch hundreds of fights on ESPN plus on the UFC page because they have archived. So you won't have to watch Triller. You can quite literally just watch any fucking fight you can think of. Um, but if you'd like to talk to me about that, I, you can reach over there at Instagram at RJ MMA official, the discord channel I'm no Joe on Discord. It's rolling down the bottom of our screen here. It's also down in the link in the description. Uh, you can go over there, talk some shit, uh, and tell us that uh, Lars can go fuck himself because Napster, LimeWire, and then making DMCA and copyright strikes. What they are today. Um, and fuck that company that's in Brazil. And throw, and throw that one back in there, too. Um, I'll give you something to fucking copyright strike, bitch. <laughs> you can uh, you can go over to our news and recent events area, see things that just don't get brought up during the d- during this broadcast. Our fan Q and A segment, drop some questions over there. Uh, for people that aren't here on YouTube at I'm No Joe. You can listen to it on your podcast consumption platform of your choice over there, anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe, all of our information of discord and all that good stuff is also over there. And uh, uh, the I'm no Joe Reddit, I got it right this week, Reddit. Uh, you can go over there and again, post great memes of fucking Lars. Because that's going to be the rolling joke of the end of this podcast for me. But uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I, I, again, I love being here. That's why next week I'm going to have nothing to fucking do with my life. And I'm going to be very confused. Uh, and I'm going to watch UFC's archived footage instead of Triller. And again, fuck you, Lars.
Oh, kids these days, I tell you. Thank you very much for your time, sir. I always appreciate it. That being said, uh, if somebody wanted to get themselves some directions to some delicious, tasty fried cheese curds and maybe where they should go to uh, hand deliver a get better champ car to a Kenosha Crippler, maybe learn some championship strategy themselves from the current reigning champ. Uh, how could they get a hold of you after the show, Mr. Golf Tea Vapes? Well, to start with, normally Wednesday nights, but I will not be here next Wednesday nor next Thursday. We're taking a week off, so you'll have to catch me in two weeks, but right here on the YouTube, 9.30 Central Times, both Wednesdays and Thursdays. Wednesday's my channel. Thursday's right fucking here. Man, if you're really going to send him something, don't send him a get well card. Don't send him cheese curds. Send him Herb Dean's fucking head on a platter. Because both of those guys, they fucking deserve that after that fiasco. And yes, go download Napster. Go download fucking LimeWire. If you're too young to get those references, go do some Googling. You'll understand. And never, 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 never think that you can root for anything if you think rooting for fucking Triller is okay. Thank you very much for your time, sir. I always appreciate it. That being said, we are going to call that all for this particular episode. So until next time, if you do enjoy what we do around here, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you are watching. Make sure your notifications are turned on so you don't miss an episode. On the other hand, if you don't enjoy what we're doing, why the fuck are you still listening this deep into the goddamn podcast? Give us a thumbs down and fuck off already. That being said, we're going to go ahead and get the fuck out of here. Remember, folks, Instagram, I'm no Joe. Facebook, I'm no Joe. YouTube, I'm no Joe. Anchor.fm, I'm no Joe. Reddit, I'm no Joe. If you want to support what we do around here, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe. Not only does it help us do what we do, it gives you access to behind the scenes footage, unaired and literally unairable things, crazy shit that we have got that we just can't publicly put out, but you can get it if you support the show. That being said, we're going to call it all for this particular episode. So remember folks, you can root for anything. Don't let ignorance stop you. Unless you really thought that we were going to promote a trailer card. <laughs> Good time.